Hey, 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 and welcome to another episode of Dr. Me First. It's me, your colleague in medicine and coach in life, Dr. freaking Aaron Wiseman, and I am bringing you another Patreon-exclusive episode. This one's too good to keep it locked in the vault of Patreon, so I wanted to at least show you part of the conversation that I had with Dr. Brian Young and his experience about climbing out of burnout. If you are ready to have your heartstrings pulled a little bit, this one is the episode for you. Gosh, I'm just so inspired by his story and to see what he's doing now and how he persevered through so much. So catch part of our episode, and if you want the rest of it, head on over to the Patreon group. Okay, here we go. The word is your Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Brian Young. Hey, it's great to have you on here. It's great to be here. Thank you very much. All right. Tell all the people out in podcasting world a little bit about yourself and what you're doing in the world. Uh, well, I'm a, a physician and data scientist, and I uh, you know, I guess I'm toward more the late period of my career, 61 years old, if that helps anybody kind of frame, you know, who I am and what I came through and what I went through. And I did two years of uh, general surgery and then three years of internal medicine training coming out of medical schools, actually trying to get into ear, nose and throat medicine. And it uh, had an early match and I couldn't get in three years coming out of medical school. So I ended up kind of trying to bypass my career out of clinical medicine starting way back when. And Recently, following a whole lot of things going on in between then and now, uh, managed to get to a position now where I'm a physician informaticist for a large healthcare system here in America. Yeah. And tell me a little bit about what brought you on to Dr. Me First. Uh, you know, we talked about this a little before the podcast, but just uh, kind of being in a community of physicians uh, who are both trying to find uh, other uses of their knowledge base, you know, in non-clinical roles, uh, as well as, you know, those of us who have suffered burnout. And uh, I saw you on uh, some of those kind of networking venues and thought that this might be an interesting place to come and have a conversation. I love it. I love it so much. And the words that you gave me were burnout, climb out. So tell yeah. me all about this. <laughs> well, I was kind of trying to make it cute and a little tagline-y. My brain works in kind of a rhymy alliteration, which sometimes uh, is funny and novel, and then other times just gets to be a pain in the butt to the people that know me. But I was kind of possessed of, if you will, as I had watched this space evolve over time with the feeling that I had. Uh, when I first kind of realized that I was not the problem, that the system and, you know, burnout was more of a system problem and moving past feeling like the bad doggy, uh, having my nose shoved in it and spanked on the butt that somehow I wasn't measuring up and that void, that gap there where I was feeling guilty and not the sharpest tool in the shed and I had made a mistake. And then, you know, the climb out is kind of, flipping that and coming out and realizing, hey, you know what? I'm I'm a good person. Probably just functioned kind of as one of the earlier canaries in the coal mine. It wasn't even called physician burnout when I had it. I didn't know how to describe it. Compassion fatigue, those terms entered this space 
to my knowledge, in broad uses, usage after I kind of had some of my experience. It took me a while to kind of get back on my feet, but once I kind of looked at it as something that was uh, empowering, if you will, then the whole story, I think, got better and I started to climb. Yeah. So give me the time frame. Was this 10 years ago, 20 years ago that you found yourself at the bottom of the pit of burnout? Um, it was following, I graduated medical school in 1985 and did the two years of general surgery residency. And I think by all measures, kind of two thirds to three quarters of the way into that with spikes <laughs> along uh, that first year as well, certainly that I was patently depressed and just not thriving and struggling and, and the like. And then I I actually left the residency program after two years. I didn't want to do general surgery. I wanted to do ear, nose, and throat medicine, ride or die, you know, kind of do or don't do kind of thing. So once E&T was out of the picture, I just, I didn't want to do medicine. So uh, I ended up kind of taking some, what I call some also ran choices. I did an MBA degree, didn't really get much traction just with the degree, you know, because I really didn't have experience to kind of make the degree with, you know, to create a story about my value proposition, what I would intend to do for that in a healthcare system, and took a number of years to kind of get back on my feet. I started working in emergency rooms, which was kind of the death knell. I did that for 13 years and just just kind of unwound myself further into depression and burnout, had some problems with alcoholism associated with that, and it all kind of came to a head in uh, 2000, the year 2000 was kind of the big break point for me. That precipice point. Yeah, I didn't realize it until I went into my recovery program for alcoholism that they had asked, they had a questionnaire that screens for alcoholism. And I think it was 12 questions. And after I got done with those, you know, some I answered yes, some I answered no. Um, I asked the reviewer, I said, how many of those do you have to answer yes to, to be kind of quote unquote scored or deemed an alcoholic. And she said one. <laughs> I was like, what? You know, it was things like drinking early in the day and drinking at problems and all that. She's like, this scale is set for the chronic phase of alcoholism toward the end, the last six to eight year cycle before people, you know, have organ damage, die, or end up in mental institutions. And I I kind of opened my eyes. I was like, my God, I'm actually toward the end of this. And, you know, I don't feel terrible. I feel bad. Uh, I had blown two breathalyzer tests while I was working in the ER. I used to drink when I would go into work. And, you know, it was uh, it was just eye-opening. And so um, uh, that precipice point there in 2000 was kind of just the coming ahead where I no longer spinning plates could keep my private life and my out-of-work drinking separate from going into work. And there were some factors there. It was a single coverage ER way out in the middle of nowhere, and we didn't have good staffing. So I was working 24-hour shifts, sometimes 24 on, 24 off. But these were all, as I mentioned, you know, kind of nails in the coffin burnout-wise. It's like, you know, if you see something that's a problem, you know, generally you'd like to have an exit route. Mine was just going and biting off more of that stuff. And it, it just, it just became undoable, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so from there, you got through recovery. What was your mindset? Like, all right, I'm done with medicine. I'm moving on. Or did, or was it something different? 
Well, the night that I blew was December 12th of 2000 that I blew the second breathalyzer test. About uh, The first was in May of 2000, then December, a second one. I'd gone through an intensive outpatient program for alcoholism uh, in the Cincinnati area. Had some success, but I had started drinking again toward the end of that. And someone smelled alcohol in December there and flagged flagged it, and I had to go blow breathalyzers in the ER there again. A nurse came to sit with me, one of our male nurses that I was friends with. He was a good guy. And I just remember this feeling that I jumped out of an airplane without a parachute. I was falling. You know, I didn't know where I'd end up. And it was really, I just was really gripping. And I went through, you know, you asked a question about mindset. I went through a period, I think, of, you know, void, I kind of mentioned earlier, uh, where I didn't know what the next was going to be. And until I, you know, kind of realized and started to tell myself a story about, you know, my own resilience and the intelligence that had gotten me to where I'd gotten, not everybody can do a surgery residency of any kind (laughs) and all that that I started to realize I had tools and skills that were just going to need to be figured out how to be used in a different different context, a different manner. And so uh, it was also clear, kind of like a bright light moment, uh, the jumping out of the plane uh, without a parachute, that I was not going to be able to keep wrestling the bull by the horns and trying to go back into clinical medicine and biting off more of that, as I mentioned earlier. It uh, just I didn't want to be it's like touching the stove burner, get burned once, shame on whoever left the burner on or whatever. But if I touch it again and I get burned, it's shame on me. So I, you know, I had kept going back and just trying to stay in medicine. All the all the arguments for that, I'm sure you're aware of. Yep. Golden, you know, handcuffs. What am I going to go to to generate income? You know, who's going to be interested in medical knowledge base if it's not applying the clinical arena? All that stuff. I didn't know, but I knew I had skills and I knew I couldn't continue doing clinical medicine anymore. And then what helped you to find your way forward? Well, uh, the skills that I mentioned, I'm fairly resourceful, industrious in some capacities and uh, the resilience. I didn't realize, you know, I did everything that was requested of me in recovery. I did everything that the State Medical Board of Ohio requested of me. I had to self-report and enter a process called a consent agreement with them. Did all of that and a random urine tests and AA and all of that. And I kept thinking, you know, this whole process seems designed for me to kind of repatriate to a career in medicine. And I'm like, now here we have systematic elements that take, you know, a physician who may be damaged and compromised clinical medicine beyond repair by his own admission, you know, from burnout. Why, you know, why would I understand that I would go back and not be burned out a second time? And some folks have mentioned, you know, you can't do yoga and timeouts and little mist fountains and crystals therapy and and spirituality make burnout go away. So, kind of two threads or a wand. Yes. You probably heard me say that then. You can't yoga lavender scent burn out away. Yeah, they want to. Yeah. I'm like, how do you take a time out in a busy ER? I mean, it's just not possible. And I don't know that it would even be all that healing if I could. I just, you know, you sit there. I call it the 
uh, hypervigilance syndrome. You're sitting there waiting for the next neonate with sepsis or pregnant mom, you know, with a breach presentation or, you know, some code or massive trauma scenario to come in out in these single coverage outlying ERs and hoping, you know, that your skills and everything hold up because you don't get to, you know, practice that stuff necessarily live and be prepared for it. So timeout's not going to help that. Sorry, folks, you know, <laughs> got to let you know, you got to, you got to, you got to be either ready and able and energized by staying in the game or do what I did and recognize that's a personal limitation and you can't sustain uh, doing that. So the AA and the spirituality part was good, but the, you know, that whole process to repatriate me to my medical license seemed at some point kind of bizarre. And I approached the state medical board about saying, you know what, can we just do like a handshake here and say some representation that I did what they asked me to do. I checked all the boxes, but decided I didn't want to continue my license and then not have some sort of negative pejorative statement posted on the state medical board site about how I stopped and cut line uh, with uh, consent one agreement and just decided I wanted to do something else. And they kind of said yes. Uh, they didn't really have any other options, uh, although I pro proposed several. They're lawyers. They're kind of inflexible. And so I ended up surrendering, voluntarily surrendering my license in 2003. Told you, right? Such a good conversation. And the story continues. If you want to hear the rest of Dr. Young's story, head over to patreon.com backslash Dr. Me first. And there you'll be able to get the whole audio to finish up his story. And so he can tell you where this went. And I'm telling you, you want to know pretty inspirational with all of it. If you want to be a part of the Patreon group, just so you know, it's not only just helping me keep this podcast going, but we are also helping residents and medical students as well who are wanting to focus on their wellness. For, for every Patreon member that joins at the introductory level, I'm actually giving a Patreon spot away to a medical student and a resident. So if you know one of those demographics, send them my way. We'll get them into the Patreon group. And if you want to help me with the podcast and someone else, come over and join. I hope that this has been encouraging to you. My kick of encouragement is that if I can do it, you can do it. If Dr. Brian Young can do it and persevere, you can do it. Reach out for help early and often. Know that you're not alone and that change is possible. This is not your forever reality. Thanks again. And remember, your life, your calling, your pulse matters. So